Big Finish for the love of stories. You're listening to the Big Finish podcast. Release date Sunday, the 8th of October, 2023. Liz, listen to this. Lone Nazi invades Norfolk pub. What are you reading, Doctor? The Clarion. That's a dreadful newspaper. Private Palmer must have left it here. Landlord Kenneth Sharp of the Morning Bell pub in the sleepy Norfolk village of Huncleath was astonished yesterday lunchtime to find a Nazi captain breaking into his establishment via the back door. I don't know where they get these stories from. Greetings to you! I'm Benji Clifford, he's Nick Briggs, this is Big Finish, audiobooks, audio drama and this podcast, all for the love of stories. Oh, it's all very exciting. In a few moments, Benji and I will be chatting, as usual, probably about the third Doctor, I reckon. Yeah, I think so, I think so. Then after that, it'll be time for the Good Review Guy, reviewing the reviews of Torchwood, Restricted Items Archive Entries, 031-049. Catchy title. Item 037. Music box. Then we go behind the scenes with the Third Doctor Adventures Intelligence for War, starring Tim Trelaw as the Third Doctor, Daisy Ashford as Liz Shaw, and John Colshaw as the Brigadier. Glorious fun. The Doctor will tell you how to identify it. And on the losing team, one of you will be fired. (laughs) (laughs) Following that, listeners' emails sent to podcast at bigfinish.com. Need we say more? I don't think we do. No, I don't think so. No. no. (laughs) Then the Randomoid Selectatron will once again be delivering a random release with a 25% discount skillfully attached to it by Big Finish content manager Jackie Emery. Hello, Jackie! Have a nice weekend. Uh, What will it be? What will it be? I won't ask again, but here's a cue. Clue. (laughs) (laughs) I hear him inside my mind telling me what to do. And finally, as always, we round off the podcast with a free 15-minute drama tease. And this week it's from The Third Doctor Adventures, Intelligence for War by Eddie Robson. Oh, for heaven's sake. This isn't the first time this has come up. The Doctor is indispensable to our operations here, and I can personally vouch for That's as may be, but... We are very lucky to have him. Sir, I wasn't referring to Dr. Smith. You weren't? No. I meant your other scientific advisor, Dr. Elizabeth Shaw. So, with Intelligence for War coming out this week... Our attention turns to the third Doctor. I don't know, I'm reading this out so seriously. I like seriously. it, I like it, I like it. Carry Thoughts on. of John Pertwee and all that loveliness. Well, I mean, this is an absolute opportunity to talk about what we've been talking about, Nick. Yes. Which is, um, this goes we've been back talking a about, we've been talking about, talking about. And I think that, I think that we've talked about this many podcasts ago, <laughs> but I'll talk about it now. Talk about so, it. There's a this section of the podcast that, is called Talk about it. Talk about it with Nikki B and Benji C. Now then, um, it all stems back to Stephen Noonan, doesn't it? it the, everything uh, does, I think it, you'll find. Everything does on this podcast, yeah, we're his oh, biggest yes, fans. Yes. Um, and uh, Stephen Noonan said to you that he was watching Coloured Doctor Who, John Pertwee, The Colour Years, in black and white. Yeah. To which you think, okay, well, why are you missing out on the colour? That seems a strange thing to do, doesn't it? Well... 
Nick, you I know that you did it. In fact, you're yeah. sitting here. I can see you on your webcam in wonderful black and white. <laughs> yeah, I've made it um, black and white today. Wonderfully. Yeah. It looks fantastic. Um, and you said that you thoroughly enjoyed it and that yeah. things started to make more sense. So, but, taking your advice, yes. I did the same and I, I watched The Silurians yeah. uh, a couple of days ago in black and white. And I have to say, you are indeed correct. Yes. Well, there are two reasons, I believe, which we may have mentioned it before when we've been talking about it. Talking <laughs> about is, it. Talk, talk about talking about it, mate. Um, one, the, the directors who were directing Colour Doctor Who had done all their training in black and white. Even at home, their whole house was black and white. No, um, and, and so, and especially somebody like the Silurians, you know, they would have been all the design department and everyone. I'm sure they thought, oh, they knew they were making a color thing, but I think they were sort of uh, uh, still in that mindset, you know, and they were thinking of contrast levels and, and gradations of, of color. Uh, and so you switch the color off on something like the Silurians, and suddenly you think, this is all the shot construction is is working better. And I, I watched a while back Frontier in Space and some of that looks really expressionistic, especially the stuff with the uh, draconians in their embassy and when they're having meetings with the Earth president, all the vertical lines on the set suddenly become much clearer in black and white. And the whole thing looks, f frankly, very much more meticulously planned than it looks in colour. The, the colour's a bit too distracting. It's weird, isn't it? And and I'm pretty sure that a number of you listening will think that I've gone completely bonkers. The other reason why it really works for me is that uh, I watched it all in black and white. I didn't see Doctor Who in colour properly until uh, The Deadly Assassin. So up until then, Doctor Who was just a, a black and white. A lot of Doctor Who in black and white, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think they probably more got the hang of it during uh, Tom Baker's era with the colour, but it works really nicely. So try it, folks. The, the high contrast, the ogrons in Frontier and Space are absolutely terrifying in black and white. They've got lots of shots where they sort of loom in close to the camera and it's really you kind of think, whoa, that's disturbing. In colour, you can more easily see the joins in the makeup and everything and it just becomes... Uh, so, yeah, I know that... I, I mean, I wasn't sure, like, when you, you know, because I thought, oh, maybe you know, both Nick and Stephen were... Mad. Were, were mad. No, I thought both of you were maybe looking at it through, I was going to say rose-tinted glasses, <laughs> but maybe black and white-tinted glasses. Monochrome um, glasses. Monochrome glasses. But no, I think I think you are absolutely correct. And I, I think a lot of like, you know, like for example, you know, in the Silurians, you can really, once things are in black and white, the contrast of the shots, of course, comes out stronger. But you start to see reasons for positionings in shots. You start to see reasons why, for example, you know, that John Pertwee is in one particular part of the screen and you've got, you know, other other darker suited characters in, in the other corners. And it, it all just works better. And even like Unit with those beige outfits, they stand out on the screen. You know, it, it's, it has a real a strange quality that it just makes more sense. It's weird. I don't yeah. know. Uh, we could be completely wrong, but... I certainly felt watching, I thought, oh, this is like watching something for the first time again. 
Yeah, it's really thrilling. And don't get me wrong, I, I always find it absolutely thrilling to see, you know, bits of uh, colorized black and white Doctor Who that people put on the social media, you know, where you think, God, that looks incredible. That that bit of the Doctor talking to Victoria in um, Tomb of the Cybermen, seeing that in color, it's like, oh, amazing. Or, or just a photo of, of Patrick Troughton from Evil of the Daleks. Or no, I think there's one of him from Power of the Daleks, from the Daleks' point of view that someone colorized. And it, and it is rather thrilling, actually. So that's a sort of whole different thing. But how a whole story would work colorized, I'm not sure. But anyway, perhaps one day all that sort of thing will happen. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about um, John Pertwee as the Doctor, um, and I'm sure I've said this before, that you know, when he left the series, and, and I, as we all know, I'm potty about the Daleks, and all the headlines were, was John per, were John Pertwee, I can't stand the Daleks, quits. And, you know, that I think newspapers wanted to make it sound like he was really disgruntled, and I don't think it was any secret to anyone on the show that he didn't much like the, the Daleks, you know, because they're quite limiting to work with physically, I imagine, quite frustrating. And also, also, he's a very, very, very tall man. Yeah, so yeah. You know, he's, they're always going to look slightly And also, they're more famous than Doctor Who, or certainly were at that point. You know, everyone yeah. knew about the Daleks, but perhaps they don't so much these days. Um, uh, so anyway, that made me very upset as a 12 or maybe 13-year-old with, with John Pertwee. And so, you know, I made a point of not liking him anymore. Very childish. But... Uh, Coming back to do Third Doctor stuff uh, with Big Finish, I rewatched John Pertwee's stories all the time. I think it's the most rewatched ones in my collection, and uh, and I really and I was really pleased to be able to tell Katie Manning about this the other day when I saw her in studio, and I said, you know, I said I fell in love with it all over again because you know I loved his Doctor Who at the time, such a reassuring performance. And I, I said to Katie, and I really do mean this, it's a it's a landmark career-defining performance for John Pertwee. He never, ever did anything else like the Doctor. He said they told him to play himself, and he thought, God, well, who am I? I don't know. But what he hit upon, he just never puts a foot wrong. He's, uh, you know, there's... There's never a moment where you think, oh, if you're being hypercritical like all we Doctor Who fans are, where we think, oh, I, I wish he hadn't done it like that. He's just, he, he's, it's just an incredible performance and it's sort of, you don't notice it. It's so good you don't notice it because it's just so right. And I think well, it's I'm an incredible, um, uh, incredible achievement. I don't know how I, I could have ever have said that to John Pertwee because I found him so intimidating. He might have thought, "Well, I don't care about your opinion, you little oik." But um, no, I, you know, I huge admiration for what he did. He's a powerful man, you know. He's a, a huge chap, and you know, fantastic career and a huge, you know, before acting as well, mm. you know. But um, I think what I always liked about him, apart from obviously the reassuring factor, is. He actually really had that ability. He could be funny when he wanted to be funny and then yes. drag you straight back to to the drama. Because I, when I think of him, I think of him as funny, you know, because he, especially with his stuff with, you know, the Wurzel Gummidge stuff, he's incredibly funny. I spent my, you know, I, I was laughing at John Pertwee before I knew John Pertwee as the doctor. Right. You know, right. so that's the different thing for me. Um, but the way that he can just switch it on and switch it off again and go straight from being silly to utterly you know, completely remorseful and completely, uh, uh, completely in control of the situation. Um, 
I love it. Well, you know, it's a comfort for me. John Pertwee's Doctor is, is that's Doctor Who to me. It's my comfort Doctor Who. So I'm always going to be incredibly vocal about that. But um, not to say that I don't love all the other Doctors because I do. We wouldn't be here. But you know, that for me, that's that's kind of what started it all all off for me. So it's mm-hmm. always going to be that loyalty there. But um, well, and that's and that era is you know arguably where. Uh, Doctor Who became a little bit more mainstream popular, not least because of the Earth setting, I suppose. But yeah, I think I will continue with my black and white watching of, you won't be surprised to hear, Death to the Dark hey, tonight. That's what yes, I'll be yes, doing. Yes, yes, yes. I look forward to, I look forward to hopefully having you send me a picture or a video of the saucer either landing or taking <laughs> off in black and white. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just, well, I already sent you the picture of Sarah, didn't I? Which, again, you see the contrast of that shot, as I said to you. It Incredible, just looks isn't it? brilliant. It just looks... I mean, to be I fair... I found a I, really good setting on my television where it's very contrasty and the very and the the blacks are really dark. And, yeah, it's fantastic. There's no, yeah, it's great. See, if you've got your dark blacks, that's all that matters. But, you know, that first episode of Death to the Daleks, in my opinion, is one of the, one of the most fantastically crafted episodes of Doctor Who especially given that half nearly half of it is almost dialogue free it's yeah. just you know very it's, Terry it's very, Nation very yeah. Terry Nation very visual but that well, I think Peter white, Capaldi said to me he thinks it was like the perfect first episode of Doctor Who when we were chatting one yeah. well I'll shake his hand because I completely agree it is a masterpiece absolute masterpiece and talking of masterpieces, <laughs> uh, I suppose we better go into the good review guide, finding the latest positive comments about Big Finish Productions to help recommend them for you. You are the king of the segues. Thank you very much. And as promised, this week we're looking at Torchwood Restricted Items Archive Entry 031-049. From Big Finish Productions. Torchwood. Restricted Items Archive Item 037 Music Box Music Box, comma, haunted, obviously. Also, personal observation, overwhelming sense of something breathing on the back of my neck. But that's purely because I'm down here on my own in the basement, wandering around in this labyrinth of an archive, which, of course, I know is completely safe and doesn't contain anything breathing on the back of my neck. But it is a bit dark and cold and maybe isn't the place I should have chosen to open this extremely haunted music box. But that's fine. Normal day's work, nothing to worry about. I'm not alone down here, am I? There's uh, something, something that doesn't want to be seen. Big Finish, for the love of stories. Just go to bigfinish.com and type archive entries into the search pane at the top Righto. to find this one. And first up, we have George Hewitt from whoreview.com. Um, you try saying Hewitt Hew- and Hewitt Hew- next to each other. Dr. Hewitt's Hew- Review. George Who from HewittReview.com. I had one, uh, I had a, a chap on a train years ago when I was a student. When I, I just bought um, from a comic fair the Dalek uh, World book and was looking at it. And, and this guy sitting opposite me, very 
it seemed very old, probably younger than I am now, said, oh, do you, do you like that programme then, Dr. Dr. Hugh, I think it's called? <laughs> and I went, oh, yes, I do. And he said, well, I think it's rubbish. And he was really aggressive to well, me. I, I think thought, you're oh, a horrible old man. I'm I thought he was going to tell me about how he used to watch William Hartnell or something. But no, he just wanted, he saw me with a book with a Dalek on the front and wanted to tell me what an idiot I was. That's what the world was like, you know, before 2005, <laughs> you youngsters. That's what it was like. We were lamb- lambasted for, Certainly I was going to say were. lampoons, but I went for bastard instead. Lambasted is much nicer. Well, my favourite reaction was when I went to America and the um, and I said to the chat, well, I'm going to the bloke at the, you know, what are you doing in the United States? And I said, oh, I'm coming to, to a Doctor Who convention. He went, Doctor Who? That's some kind of author or something? I thought, no, it's not... It's not <laughs> Not, not, on a, no, no. just this idea that there's a man called Doctor Who who writes books. Um, anyway, uh, George Hugh, uh, Hewitt says, uh, <laughs> David Lloyd is on top form as Yanto. He inhabits the role effortlessly and understands every small nuance of Yanto's character. So he should. The story is a character study, and as a character study, it succeeds. Four out of five. But if it succeeds, and why isn't well, it? Well, we had five this debate last week, didn't we? Yeah, no, oh, we did. Yeah. Okay. Yuck, but man. thank you, where George. Where are you Doctor, Doctor George Hugh. Uh, anyway, uh, Sci-Fi Bulletin. Alastair Stewart, who's possibly my favourite reviewer for obvious reasons. Uh, Wilson's script. Steve Kavuma's direction. Uh, Hritzek Robinson's sound direction, and David Lloyd's acting all conspire sounds like an evil plot to get you listening in one direction not listening to one direction uh, before surprising <laughs> you from another Boo-ha! brilliantly handles and executed and yet another great entry in this series 10 out of Ill- 10 <laughs> can't say fairer than that that's you the can't kind, that's the kind of review i like yes let's see if uh, tony filer son of bill filer Axon Man uh, from WarpFactor.com. Let's see what Tony has to say. I don't think there's a number of you on this one, so we'll assume it's 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> Restricted <laughs> Items Archive Entry 039-041 is not a Torchwood story with a particularly grand horror at the heart of it. Those are frequently reserved for Owen and Andy stories. But Gareth David Lloyd brings just the right notes of humour and pathos to a story that punches significantly above the weight of its apparent premise. It's fun. It's increasingly creepy as it goes along, and ultimately it resolves itself into a Torchwood story with punch and purpose, proving Yanto has evolved beyond the coffee boy status he had when he first dropped in on the organisation on TV. And if you listen closely, you can hear a police car. I think it's probably an ambulance going past. I've got church bell in the background here. Church Bell. My name's Church Bell. Uh, It's a beautiful thing done beautifully well by all concerned and a relatively rapid listen that will leave you smiling. Wow, I'm smiling just listening to that review. Nice one, Tony. IndieMacUser.com. Kevin Gibley? No, Gilby. I can't read. Sorry. 
um, restricted items, you know that, aside from being a, a mouthful of a title, is it, he says, is one of the best tortured stories in a long while and has effortlessly shot up into my top five stories from the range. I mean, I think that's what happens every time with torture. People go, this is even better than the last one. It's mm-hmm. a brilliant way to go. A touching and fascinating delve into not only Yanto's mental state, but also the hierarchy of the tortured team's dynamic, on top of being a great ghost story as well. Maddie Wilson is the new blood big finish writer to watch so hopefully she gets a lot more opportunities to flesh out the doctor who universe well you won't be surprised to hear 10 out of 10 thank you cavern ghibli Gil- gilby <laughs> I can't, why can't when, i say when, your name i can't read you said, cavern i'm when sorry you said gilby my mind immediately what do you think of when you think of gilby uh, um a flip side of dominic hyde yes correct yes. correct because he made That's the name ex- gilby up because he saw a, a bottle of spirits on the shelf in the pub well, the gin but the gin. gin yeah that's yeah. what it was yeah there we go car in sync love it you better on believe me- it be- anyway sorry you that's better the- believe it, babe. Uh, on social media melafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafafaf
it did free me up to um because normally we we have to maybe do the brigadier in one day it's just availability really but um but it did free me up to be able to cast all the other characters and have them come in on different days as opposed to usually we have to have all the other characters here all the time and the doctor liz and the brigadier sort of swoop in and the the schedule's made around them it was the opposite way around this time that makes sense see the thing about directing there's so much of it is scheduling which is quite dull it's it's not particularly glamorous to talk about <laughs> the other major part of directing when you work so fast is to cast it correctly and i think that i've been very lucky that my choices have all worked out brilliantly my name is Tim Trelaw. I'm playing the third Doctor. Well, there are reports uh, in the Clarion, which is the, the newspaper, um, to suggest that the landlord of a pub, Mr Kenneth Sharp, has seen a, a, a German soldier, um, well, a Nazi soldier, to be more specific, in, um, in his pub. Um, and we discover that uh, Mr Sharp fought during World War II. Um, I imagine, I've, I've said to Nick Briggs, it must have been the Desert Rats because he references 1942 and British troops on ground then I think would have only been in North Africa at that particular point uh, fighting the Germans. So yeah, that's what brings him to... He's very intrigued about this Nazi and he does think it might be a, he might be a time-lapse of some sort. Well, welcome to the Brigadier. I just need a little listen again, I think, just for a second. Just because, um, just for the excitement. Devils. Creatures from another world. Precisely. Right, that's it. Right. Was that the demons? That was the demons. Or the demons. My name is Daisy Ashford and I play Dr. Elizabeth Shaw. Well, I always love coming back to Liz Shaw. Um, this is particularly great. She's She's got um, a very biting humour, a very dry wit to her this time and... Um, and she's been a little bit naughty, <laughs> which is always fun to play. So, yes, she's taken away quite unceremoniously, all facilitated, may I add, by the Brigadier, which is um, just a cruel betrayal, I think. We believe there's only one target. The doctor will tell you how to identify it. And on the losing team, one of you will be fired. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, this is John Coleshaw, and I have been playing our dear Brigadier, Brigadier Alistair Gordon Lethbridge-Stewart. What a fine array of names, splendid chap. You can see the ends of the moustache flipping up like some outraged moth. Uh, <laughs> yes, he's uh, just as, um, you know, Roger Moore had the eyebrows. Uh, the Brigadier's got the moustache. It's like an extra tool for expression. It uh, echoes in some ways of um, Invasion of the Dinosaurs, where the Doctor's accused of, of such things. And this is where we see, and we really see it in this story, where the that judgment behind the eye, as it were, of the Brigadier, where he knows that uh, something is amiss here, and we will get to the bottom of it. But yes, yes, of course, we've still got to follow this damn protocol. Things must be done by the book, you know. So he bides his time and he uses his experience and his judgment. He, he doesn't go impetuously flying in there. He will gather his information. He will express his judgment over this matter. And when there is enough information and evidence, 
Yes, by Jove, the Brigadier Schlacht. But he, he's always very smart. Well, it's a great story. It's a brilliantly written story. Um, and I particularly love the, um, the, the elements of the Second World War and the Spanish Civil War there. I'm a big history buff, and um, I was hoping for a little bit more of that, actually. And, um, um, yeah, so um, it's just lovely, that connection with history. And obviously being back on Earth as well is fantastic. Just go to bigfinish.com and type intelligence into the search pane, and you'll see a big sphere coming <laughs> through the window. And... Uh, <laughs> You can't hear my whistling. I can't on hear Zoom, it, can but, you? I, yeah. but I could I could see you doing it. Yes, <laughs> so uh, to look out for that. But you'll also be able to find the latest uh, Doctor release out this Wednesday, the eleventh of October. Right. So now, yes, it's time for yes. Oh, listeners' emails. <laughs> and if you want to sing like this man right I'm here, I'm finished yet. <laughs> Oh, oh, carry on, carry on. I've finished now. Oh. Well, if you want to sing like that, you won't be able to do that because no. it's impossible to sing no. in email form, you know, really. really. But you can always, you know, you can send us a nice message, you know, maybe a picture of a cake. Send it mm. to podcast.bigfinish.com. And that's not what uh, Laura Valensky did. I don't see any cake here, Laura. No, um, but you never know, you know, you never know. There is cake, uh, actually, in it. Is there? Well... Yeah. Ah, oh, ah, hey. Uh, see, see happy birthday to yeah. NB. Oh, topical. I take it all back, Laura. Um, <laughs> hey, Mr. Briggs and Mr. Clifford and any other podcast guest stars along for the ride. No uh, just wanted to say hi. 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 Uh, thanks for all of the good work you do. And a big old happy birthday to you, Nick Briggs. Thank you, Laura. Weirdly enough, you are one of my heroes. Get away. You kept at it for years and now you're doing for your career what you are really good at oh, voice of the daleks on the tv show writing stories galore for big finish producing doing music it's really something to admire for me find something you're good at persist at it and succeed what are other traits could someone want in their person to admire i.e hero oh i don't know, don't know. But I think she's saying, what other traits? As opposed to, um, please write in and tell me some other traits. Well, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I, you know, it can be interpreted both ways, but you're probably yeah. right. So, happy getting older day. Here's a fun card to watch with Weird Al, singer of parodies. It's Weird Al Yankovic, isn't it? Is it? I believe so. If it's Weird Al... Is it not, I thought it was a weird AI, but obviously it's Weird Al, isn't it? It's weird yeah. Al, yeah, that's Weird anyway, Al. Anyway, I believe there's cake in that video. I watched it. I love that he says your name. That's incredible. Um, well, he's just Laura recorded Valensky. every name possible, hasn't he? And, uh, hey, Gilby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Um, oh, and that's a nice thing she says at the bottom there, isn't it? Life is 10% what you make it, and 90% how you take it. Irving Berlin. There yeah. we go. Nice one. Take that with you today. Yeah. What do we think of that, folks? Let us know. Next up, uh, Daniel Hughes, BBC News, which he does mention later. Uh, New series Doctors and Ben Jackson. Hi there, Nick and Benji. Hi there. Hi there. I trust you are both well. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, A few burning questions I have in relation to Ben Jackson and the new series Doctors with Elliot Chapman deciding to no longer portray Ben Jackson. What do you... you, uh, Yeah, 
I just I don't know what language that was I was speaking, but um, it was from another dimension. I think. What do you What do you plans have in relation to it? That's why, because it actually the sentence doesn't make sense. But I know what you meant, Daniel. The gap in between the smugglers and the tenth planet, and indeed between the power of the darks and the highlanders, are some of Doctor Who's overlooked gaps and hoping for more pre-Jamie stories. With Jacob Dubman stepping down from voicing the eleventh Doctor, what does the future hold for post ninth Doctor era? The eleventh Doctor and twelfth Doctors are my favourite new series Doctors. The latter of which I personally feel is underused uh, by Big Finish and hoping for more with these Doctors. And indeed, for more of the 10th Doctor, availability permitting from David Tennant or otherwise. Uh, keeping with the new series era of Doctor Who, uh, since the announcement of the Fugitive Doctor and Call Me Master, we've had next to no announcements over the development of these respective series and was wondering what updates you have in relation to these releases okay uh yeah ben jackson leave that thought with me we definitely need to do something there um got some plans ruminating for the 11th and 12th doctors um not coming up in the near future but again stuff is fermenting in the basement of big finish <laughs> uh the new series yeah the the fugitive doctor and call me master all up uh, press releases and announcements and release dates have to be approved by the BBC and uh, we're just waiting for news from them about that. Um, kind regards, Daniel Hughes from BBC News, of course. Thank you, Daniel. And finally, we've got one more here. This is from Lester Allen, Dinnerstein II. Mm. Ah, you don't get to say that many times, do you? No, um, never. Hello, Nick and Benji. Hi, Hi there. there. Hi there. Hi there. I was enjoying the interview with Lisa Bauman in Time Lord Immemorial Big Finish podcast. However, in the podcast cut I was listening to here across the pond, the discussion slash interview seemed to transition abruptly. We were just learning that Nick was at the first recording of Lisa in her first Doctor Who audio story after a lovely chat about the early days and how Lisa got involved. Then Benji comes in to let us know it was time for the good review guide. What happened? The conversation was going on so well, with Lisa laying out the early days of Big Finish. Did the schedule once again take over due to timing? Was it a bad edit cut? Will the audio be released? <laughs> it was a great reminiscence, which I feel was cut far too short. Any chance in putting the conversation back into the podcast? Maybe this podcast cut was only on my side of things, but it can't hurt to ask. Anyways, guys, I have an amusing side story uh, besides my inquiry. A while ago, I sent in a letter about Stargate's release to see if we can get some details on how it came to Big Finish. During Benji's read of my email, thank you for reading it, it made my day, hey. there was a slight disagreement about the pronunciation of my last name. <sighs> Nick had said it correct. It was Diner, mm -hmm. where you go to eat, and Stein, S-T long E, with the N sound, Steen, uh, ending my name. I hope that makes sense. So it's Dynastine, a bit like Dynasty. Um, I hope that makes sense. However, the funny bit is my five-year-old daughter started arguing with Benji about the correct pronunciation and completely missing what Nick pronounced correctly. Even when I played it back, she was completely focused on Benji and making <laughs> sure he knew how to say the name correctly. Well, this was an amusing moment for Dad, but I wanted to share it with you guys. Stay amazing, Nick and Benji. Thanks you, thank you for all you do. 
Oh, it sounds like I'm really becoming the bane of your life, doesn't it? Interrupting things, getting things wrong. <laughs> Crikey, I'm so sorry, Lester. <laughs> well, so Dynastine. Dynastine. The second. The second. Thank you, Alan. Right, on the, the, the it's rather amusing, the first point you make there. Yes, there is an edit there. So and I love the idea that you think that we would have done a different edit for American listeners. No, no, no. It's the same edit that goes out. Um there was uh, we needed to get on with the podcast and we cut short our reminiscing and so i made an edit uh to benji's um uh, announcement but my edit was a bit too soon i should have left some breathing space in there and then it would have sounded like a sort of you know natural well that things come to an end and now let's go on to this so yeah but my my uh rushed poor editing skills because it was my birthday and i was dashing off to have lunch with my wife um rather made it sound like there was some huge section that got cut out and seriously there were there's there's nothing worth listening it's just like coughing and and um oh yeah yeah we should we get on yeah okay that kind of thing that was there and no juicy details sorry about that alan i like the idea that that in the alternative world that i'm just terrible at judging conversation i just jump into <laughs> yes anyway the good review guide yeah, Benji, yeah, you, why do you always want to do that basically it did make you sound extremely rude <laughs> it's like <laughs> shut up we're carrying on I'm i remember there was one um, podcast recently where i did hold up a piece of paper saying good review guide to make us get on oh, with yeah. it and you immediately went oh yes well anyway uh right anyway that is it for the emails more next week keep them coming we really do love them don't forget, there's a drama tease of the Third Doctor Adventures Intelligence for War coming up. But first, it's... The Randomoid Selectatron, where we randomly select a big finish release and offer you a 25% discount on it. What and it's got? a biggie this week. It's a biggie, biggie, biggie. It's Doctor Who, the worlds of Doctor Who, limited edition. What's that? That is, uh, it's a Colin Baker... Uh, well, I'll tell you, it's got Mind Games by Justin Richards, The Re-Singer Process by Justin Richards, The Screaming Skull by Jonathan Morris, and Second Sight by Nick Wallace and Justin Richards. Oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. Got Jago and Lightfoot in there. Got a bit of Leela in there as well. Got a bit of Romana in there. Wow. It's now out of print on CD, but obviously you can get it as a download. Uh, here's the trailer. That music box tune gives me the creeps. The music box. Yes. There is something about the tune. I'm sure I know it. From Big Finish Productions, the worlds of Doctor Who. I, I can't! I can't stop him! He's... He's in my mind! He's, he's making me! Look into my eyes. Imagine falling into them. And imagine me falling into your eyes. Into your mind. Keep still, both of you! So that you can shoot us? I ain't never fired a gun before. Well, there's no need to start now. I've just got one thing to say to you, Toby. Ding... Dong, bell. I'm sorry. But that's terrifying. How can we stop someone who can just jump into our own minds and control our actions? I hear him inside my mind telling me what to do. Get her out of there! There's something in the vault. Something powerful, something dangerous. Welcome to the vault. It won't 
can't hold them for long. I only need a few more minutes. I will not surrender. My Lady President, I'm sorry, we've lost her. Lost her? The temporal link has gone. Professor George Lightfoot and Henry Gordon Jago are convinced that's good enough for me. Get out of my mind! This is where it begins, and where it ends. Are you ready for this? Not even remotely. Good. Me neither. Big finish. We love stories. Do you know, I'd completely forgotten about this. Did I work on it? I've got a funny feeling I might have done the, the music on something. Yeah, I did. <laughs> there's, a counter, there's a countermeasures episode and I did the music on that, I believe. Yeah, you've got the full countermeasures gang in there. You've got Richard Franklin in there as Mike Yates as well. I don't think countermeasures features on the cover, which is odd, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Well, maybe they're on the inside. I mean, it's a lovely booklet, isn't it? Yeah, it's one of the, yeah, well... One of the but, big booklet special CD release things that even though it's only download only, so you won't see it anyway. Well, um, that was the point I was about to make rather disappointingly. Listen, um, <laughs> anyway, lovely choice. Uh, while I email Jackie Emery, contact manager at Big Finish, to inform her of our random selection uh, so that she can set the offer live, as you probably understand on the bigfinish.com website. Benji, uh, tell us frankly how to get the 25% discount. Well, frankly, Nick, it's just simple, isn't it? You know, I mean, I'm not going to beat around the bush here. If I do that, we'd be here all day. And I don't want to be here all day, so I'm just going to say it how it is and crack on. So you go to bigfinish.com, right? And I'm not, you know, that's what it is. You head over to the podcast page. Once you get on there, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a lot of things on there. But you just want to click on the first one. It's the main one. It says read more. When you click on that, there's a little bit below. It says uh, the Randomoids Electron also features offering you a 25% reduction on the selected release. Just click here and enter the code back up. It tells you what to enter. It's not even it's not even keeping anything oh. from you. It just says buck up. B-U-C-K-U-P. No capital. All capital letters. No spaces. No punctuation. You just click there and enter it in and you'll get 25% off. And I mean 25% wow. off. The full 25 yeah, yeah, yeah. Not 24, not That's 26, amazing. 25, you know. <laughs> Excellent good quarter, work. Good quarter Excellent off. Work. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that. Good. Um, well, it's a lovely job there, Ran. Um, as of now, next week's podcast, uh, out on the 15th of October, is entitled Rogue Odyssey, because it features Paternoster Gang Trespassers Rogue's Gallery that's out on Tuesday the 17th of October and Torchwood Odyssey on Thursday the 19th of October in the meantime it only remains for me to say this that this edition of the Big Finish podcast was presented by me Benji Clifford and him Nick Briggs mm -hmm. Nick also wrote mm. produced and edited it and of course Benji and I did this for the, the love, love of stories, stories. And finally, on the Big Finish podcast, the third Doctor Adventures, Intelligence for War, starring Tim Trelaw, Daisy Ashford, and John Colshaw.
missiles incoming! All motive power lost. Switching everything to life support and comms. Try Waller Brelner. Respond. We need you. Brelner, respond. The enemy squadron is about to cycle back round. They think we're easy pickings. They won't be expecting you, but you have to move into position now. Where are you? Enemy squadron incoming. Uh, in theory, the dark matter which exists in the vacuum of space might absorb an infinite quantity of heat. Enemy missiles have locked onto us. Uh, I'm trying to concentrate. Uh, meaning any energy-based projectile that passes through it... Impact imminent. Yeah! Point of order, maker. Thank you. Oh, hello, Bryony. You got the day off? No. You haven't seen Mr. Teelin, have you? No, I don't see much of him in here. Or just around at all. Coming back from the golf course, or. Oh, no, sorry. His wife looking for him? Nothing like that, no. Nothing wrong. You'll let me know if you see him, though. Yeah, certainly. Hi. Sorry, I need to check out. Oh. I know I'm booked for tonight as well, but family emergency. That should cover it. All right, thank you. Do you need Anne with that suitcase? No! Oh, just offering petal. Yes, I'm sorry, but what's in this case is fragile. Sorry, after that. Right you are. I don't know, young people always in such a hurry out. What the devil was that? Hey, someone's trying to break into the back. Don't come down. Sag mir, wo ich bin. What? Das suchen Sie nicht. Die Behörden zu kontaktieren. Get out of my pub, you filthy Nazi! Liz, listen to this. Lone Nazi invades Norfolk pub. What are you reading, Doctor? The Clarion. Oh, that's a dreadful newspaper. Private Palmer must have left it here. Landlord Kenneth Sharp of the Morning Bell pub in the sleepy Norfolk village of Huncleath was astonished yesterday lunchtime to find a Nazi captain breaking into his establishment via the back door. I don't know where they get these stories from. It was like I'd stepped back to 1942, Mr. Sharp told a reporter. He was a strapping six-foot Aryan brute and the badge on his cap was polished up to the nines. Mr. Sharp, 53, swiftly returned to the bar area, locked the door and telephoned the police. If I'd had my service revolver on me, it would have been a different story, he added. By the time the village Bobby arrived on the scene, the free-roaming fascist foot soldier had vanished. Good grief. 
Police believe the incident was a tasteless practical joke, to which the clarion says, Who do you think you are kidding, Mr. Hitler? Absolute rot. They just make these things up. There's a photograph of Mr. Sharp here inside his pub, pointing to the broken glass in his back door. Doesn't prove anything. Um, Why make up something like this? They probably paid him for the story. Hmm. I wonder. Hello? I'm looking for the number of the Morning Bell pub in Huncleath. Oh, Doctor, you're not. The morning, Bell. Am I speaking to Mr. Kenneth Sharp? Uh, you are. I read the article about you in the Clarion just now. Uh, if you just called up the laugh at me, I got customers to serve. Good day. Not at all, my dear fellow. Please, I really would like to speak to you about what you saw. Are you from another newspaper? Because they made me sign a form. No, no, far from it. They made it sound like I was some loony. But you did see someone dressed as a Nazi soldier. Of course. Didn't just make it up. And you don't seem to believe it was just a harmless prank. I know some youngsters these days treat the war like a joke, but it didn't feel harmless. He was speaking German and looked like he meant to kill me, and he didn't hang around to laugh either. I can't believe you're really going to investigate this. I said you didn't have to come. I'm only coming along for a spot of lunch at the pub. What's your interest in this? Maybe it is just someone having fun at Mr. Sharp's expense. But? But maybe, just maybe, we're dealing with a localised temporal anomaly. You mean a Nazi soldier fell through a hole in time and fetched up outside a Norfolk pub? Natural time slips are a common enough occurrence. Usually they last no more than a few seconds and either go completely unnoticed or any witnesses just rationalise them away. All right. But if they're so common, why take such an interest in this one? Because it might not be a natural phenomenon. It might be that someone else on this planet is using time travel technology. Ah, and you think you might be able to use that technology? To get the TARDIS working again, yes. If you can find whoever's using it. And if I can convince them to help me. It does feel like rather a long shot. Perhaps, but if there's a chance. And if you get the TARDIS working, you'll leave? Naturally. Um, I'll come back and visit. (laughs) Well, if you go off on your travels, that might be my cue to head back to Cambridge. I'm a little surprised you've stayed with units as long as you have. The military is not your natural habitat, is it? No. Although, of course, if you go, the Brigadier will say he needs me all the more. But I've missed a whole academic year now. Why have you stayed? Afraid of what I might miss out on, I suppose. I could leave today and the most extraordinary thing might happen tomorrow. And I'd never know because you've all signed the Official Secrets Act. I haven't. Haven't you? No. I think the Brigadier's given up asking me. Ah, Colonel Matthews. I'm afraid I can only give you ten minutes. I have to report to Geneva at once. I'll need a lot more than ten minutes, sir. Then it'll have to wait till later, I'm afraid. With respect, sir, I think Geneva will need to know about this. With respect, Colonel, you are not part of unit and... And No, I'm part of pinpoint division. And our purpose is to ensure the security interests of this country are not compromised. Of course. But Geneva doesn't like to get involved in regular army matters. This concerns one of your own staff. My staff? 
Yes. A person who's been flagged in one of our own investigations. A non-military member of your staff with a dubious background who you, nevertheless, employ as a scientific advisor. Oh, for heaven's sake. This isn't the first time this has come up. The doctor is indispensable to our operations here, and I can personally vouch for uh, That's him. as may be, but... We are very lucky to have him. Sir, I wasn't referring to Dr. Smith. You weren't? No. I meant your other scientific advisor, Dr. Elizabeth Shaw. You're the fellow he spoke to on the phone. Yes. How did you know? Ah, uh, lucky guess. You do have the air of someone who'd drive to the middle of nowhere to investigate something peculiar on a whim on a Tuesday afternoon. Well, I'll take that as a compliment. I'm Dr Elizabeth Shaw. This is Dr John Smith. Ken Sharp. I can assure you, Mr Sharp, we're taking what you saw entirely seriously. <laughs> Everyone is now. Oh? I take no pleasure in being proved right like this. But an old fella who lives out on the road to King's Len, George Finch, was found dead in his kitchen about an hour ago. Oh, no. I heard about it just after I got off the phone to you. They reckoned he'd been there all night. Someone broke in. Police doctor said it was a stab wound, but up through his chest. Like a bayonet, he said. The man you saw, was he carrying a bayonet? No, definitely not. But there must be a connection, mustn't there? Well, seems unlikely to be pure coincidence, I agree. What's happening at the scene now? Police are still there, but they've taken old George away. 81. He survived the psalm, and he gets murdered in his own kitchen. Where's the justice in that? Mm, quite. Doctor, shall we go and talk to the police? See if they found anything? Uh, there are a few checks of my own I'd like to make first. Mr Sharp? Ken, please. Can you show us where you saw this man? Right there, at the door, see? And he broke the glass? Oh, I didn't break it myself, did I? Stand back, please, Mr Sharp. Liz, note these readings down, will you? Mm-hmm. Ready, Doctor? Yeah. What's that gadget you got there? It's a little like a Geiger counter, but it detects a much wider range of energy. Ah, well, that's disappointing. 0.09.05. Normal background levels. It's even weaker over here. Don't bother, Liz. What are you looking for? Just testing a theory, Mr Sharp. It was almost 24 hours ago, Doctor. Whatever you're looking for might have dissipated completely. Yes. Perhaps we should ask around in case anyone else saw anything. Come on, Liz. Aren't we getting lunch first? Did you make background checks on Dr Shaw before you appointed her? Don't patronise me. You really I don't know how you people operate, sir. At times, you appear to be a law unto yourselves. We don't just let anyone swat in here and give them access to our operations. And that includes you, Colonel. And you were satisfied with what you found? Dr. Shaw is a career academic who's gone from school to Cambridge University and then to UNIT. We know all about her life up to now. I have no concerns about She her. was a member of the Anti-War Alliance when she was a student. I am not going to discount someone with ideal expertise just because she went on a couple of ban-the-bomb marches as an Have undergrad you talked to her about those views? Colonel, I think it's time you told me what this is actually about. Yes, you're right. Ah, good afternoon. Are you selling something? No, no. 
I'd like to talk to you about the strange and rather tragic recent events. Oh, you're from the newspapers. No. As a matter of fact, I'm part of a special investigative unit called, um, uh, Unit. Oh, never heard of you. Here's my pass. How would I know if that was genuine or not? You don't. In fact, you don't have to talk to me at all. But I would appreciate it. This is the fourth house I've been to and nobody's had anything useful to tell me. Well, I don't know anything about that poor bloke who died up the road. But I walked into the pub just after Ken saw that soldier out the back. And did you see this man? No. Ken told me to crouch down behind the bar while he called the police. By the time they arrived, there was no one to be seen. But you think he did see something? Oh, I don't know. I don't know Ken well enough to tell. I don't actually live around here, you see. I'm on holiday. Well, thank you for your time, Miss... I didn't tell you my name. That's right. You didn't. <laughs> Denise Morris. Take care, Miss Morris. I fear this isn't over. You too. Any luck? No. People do seem to think Ken wouldn't have made this up. That's the impression I've got. Not a man given to flights of fancy. It's always possible there's a medical... What was that? It came from over there. Hey, Flory, you all right? <laughs> Did you see what happened? No. Did you? It looks like she's taken a blow to the face. Who is she? Flory Taylor. She's lived there for years. Who did this to you, Flory? Nationalist scum. Nationalist? You mean the National Front? Oh, no, no, no. I know what she means. Spanish nationalists. Spanish? Flory was a medic in the Civil War. Get her started on Franco when she's had a few drinks and she's away. Fascinating. Where is he? Oh, it's all right now, Flory. He's gone. Ah, thank you, Ken. On the house. You earned it, helping Flory. Just a mild concussion. She should be fine with a little rest. Is someone staying with her? Oh, her husband to be there. I'll check on her again before we leave. You're a good sort. Oh, well, must get on. There's a pattern developing here. Ken says the man who was killed last night, George, survived the Somme. And, if the police doctor was right, he was killed by a bayonet. Big finish for the love of stories.